0: Like, I, I'm not driven by any need to prove myself. I'm drawn and compelled by the call of God. I
1: love the difference between driven and
0: drawn. That's how I feel. So I yeah. feel like while I can tell the difference in my heart, I know when I'm being drawn, Yeah. and if it clicks over to being driven, I can't sustain it. Yeah. That's the bottom line. And that is like I have no capacity to sustain that. Um, but when I'm drawn, I have nothing to prove. So I'm not trying To be better than last time or more creative than last time. I actually don't even think in those terms. I just think um, in this moment, in this hour, what is needed, God graces me for. And so if I'm uncluttered, I can produce better.
2: What's the easiest choice you can make?
3: Okay, you ready? Mhm. Mm, yes, ma'am. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Welcome to Out of the Ashes with Inquis and Mommy. Thank you, B. That was perfect.
1: Hey, y'all, I'm Lisa Harper, and you're listening to The Life with Lisa Harper podcast. We're calling season one Out of the Ashes because during each episode, we're walking through stories of redemption, essentially stories of people who've walked through tough stuff and found that God is perfectly good even when life is really, really hard. Okay, I cannot remotely do as good a job as Missy at, at introducing you and saying this is my favorite aunt. I hope my sister doesn't hear that introduction. <laughs> but, um, but you are probably my favorite redemption story. I love what God has done with your story. This is um, Lisa Harper. This is a brand new podcast called Out of the Ashes. And my very first guest is my very best friend, Christine Kane. So before we go into the deep places, I want to wade in shallow water with you. And I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that a bunch of people sent us oh over social media. And they really want to know the answer to this. So I've put it in just two part questions. So I'm just going to say two words. You tell me which one you lean to. Here's just a few things people want to know about you. Rap or rock? What? Rap or rock? Rap music, Oh, rap okay. Music. I thought you were speaking rap in, or in Rock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> rock, rock. Let's, not let's, not, let's not start there. Let's <laughs> not okay, start there. Okay, rap or rock? Rock. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Summer, winter? Summer. Fried, steamed? Steamed. Beach, mountains? Beach. Phone, call, or text? Phone. Cardio or weights? Cardio. Facebook or Instagram? Insta. (laughs) Rich friend or loyal friend? Loyal. Hamburger or taco? Taco. Passenger or driver? Driver. Toilet paper over or under? Over. Reading or writing? Reading. Singing or dancing? Dancing. In and out or Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A. Lake or ocean? Ocean. Chocolate or cheesecake? Chocolate. Okay. Would you rather be the funniest person in the room or the most intelligent person in the room? The funniest Okay, why the funniest? I thought you would pick intelligent. <laughs> because I don't want to be the most intelligent
0: person in any room because then I'm in the wrong room. I need to be in a room where people are smarter than me. Okay, that just you just
1: reek of humility with that one. <laughs> okay, would you rather win 50000 or see your best friend win 500000 See my best friend win 500000 and then charge a 10%. <laughs> I was just
3: going <laughs> to
1: say. You know I'd share. I'd tie to yeah. you, baby. Okay, would you rather run at 100 miles an hour or fly at 10 miles an hour run really at 100 miles an hour yeah but you could go so much further flying i always think of you at 10 miles an hour well yeah but you're above everything you're flying how could i go further did you ever like when you were little want to be a bird no oh lord have mercy okay would you rather have no one show up for your wedding or no one show up for your funeral
0: Oh, no one show up at my wedding. I don't want my husband. I'm not interested in
1: anyone else. And then I want a good legacy. (laughs) Would you rather live at an amusement park or a zoo? An amusement park. Why? Because there's no animals. <laughs> We're not even going to go there yet. We're, we've already caused great division talking about tongues and That's animals. Right. We're going to have all these dog lovers, right? Ugly, ugly emails. <laughs> I, for one, y'all love dogs. Okay. And you do now. You love oh, one dog. Yes, I do. Ezra. Okay. Okay. Would you rather be colorblind or have no taste buds? Colorblind. Uh, that, okay. We can talk about theology. <laughs> wouldn't wait that long to answer. Why? 'Cause I love food. You do love food. That's why you work out so much. Okay, would you rather have a foot long nose or foot wide ears? A foot long nose. <laughs> okay. Pinocchio. <Podokia. laughs> <laughs> would you would you rather live in space or under the sea? In space. Okay. What is your favorite movie? A Beautiful Mind. Ooh, I love that one too. It broke my heart. Okay, favorite um, favorite book that would not be considered a Christian book? Um, oh, because you read voraciously. I read
0: voraciously. It's not fair to ask me that. Um, it just depends. Depends what time of the day, hour, week. But sort of classics. I would regularly come when i say regularly like every other yeah. year yeah read through the jane austen classics i'm an english major so Do your you girls know. love that
1: yes Catherine. okay okay um what is the most relaxing thing that you can imagine lying uh
0: by the pool in the city of ia oia in
1: santorini greece watching the sunset sounds like you've been there before. You know, several (laughs) dozen times. (laughs) Okay, if you could only have one book out of all 66 books of our Bibles, and there was only one book you could read for the rest of your life until God takes you home to glory, what would that book be? Ephesians or Romans. Okay, I'll let you cheat on that one. Mm -hmm. Um, If you could only read the Old Testament or the New Testament, which one would it be? I love
0: the Old Testament. I do too. So uh, so it's like, yeah, it's just, I don't know what to say. If I could only read one. I know the Jesus of the New Testament, so uh,
1: Old Testament. Okay. Okay. Uh, Honestly, that's probably where I'd go to. Okay. If you had to choose just one, and I know you've got a million, if you had to just choose one life verse, what would it be? First Corinthians fifteen
0: 58. there'd be many, but that would be right. That certainly is my foundation for life and ministry. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing mm. that in the Lord your labor is never in vain.
1: Mm. Okay, if we were to ask Nick, your husband of how many years is it now? Long time, amazing marriage, over 20. Um, if I were to ask Nick to describe you in a movie title, Five Words or Less, how would Nick describe you?
0: I'm laughing because it would be something very romantic, but I'm going to say, just for the sake of the podcast, (laughs) Devil Wears Prada. (laughs) Oh,
1: I like it. I like it. And I can totally see Nick saying that. Um, If you had to be known by one word, just one descriptor, what word would you say, if that was spoken over my life for the rest of my life, I'd hang my hat on that.
0: A lover of
1: people. Okay. Okay. Um, last get to know you question before we dive into deep waters. Um, you have seen hundreds of thousands of people come to know Jesus over the last 30 years of your ministry, even though you don't even look like you're 30 yet. Um, what's that one face you will never forget where you go, oh, he saved them and you got to see it. Someone that maybe you you might not even have had an, enough faith that they would have come to know Christ. Maybe it was somebody in your backstory who wounded you, or somebody you just thought they—they're too vehemently opposed to the gospel. And especially as a young preacher, that you went, "Oh my goodness, didn't he do it?" Yeah, I think Nick's niece um,
0: grew up in a, a family just a prof- deeply anti—anti anti anything to do with Christianity—and. Yeah. Um, like when she got saved my my jaw was on the floor i mean i almost got resaved not i know you can't but it was like oh my word lord if you could save her i mean you couldn't get her and her family more further away from god yeah. if you tried like just like and not just further away from him just mocking and ridicule right. i mean just everything right. every kind stereotype v- you VMI would have yeah. Yeah. and then i'm talking from death to life you, you you go, this is like real. This is real. Only God could have done that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've, I've got so many faces, I could tell you. About, yeah. But hers is... Don't you love yeah. the faces? Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, okay, I lied. I said that was our last get to know, know you question, but I have one more that I'm actually interested okay. in. Okay, we we both talk a lot about our God being a Trinitarian God, mm-hmm. him being a community unto himself, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, how do you see in your mind and heart... And maybe just use a few words to describe God your Father, Jesus your Savior, and the Holy Spirit your Comforter, your Paraclete. How would you describe them?
0: So when I got attacked last month, yeah. I definitely fell into the fatherhood. I, I, I mean, I didn't go in my mind straight to the Holy Spirit. I went straight into mm-hmm. I needed the protection right. of my father. Right. So I, so I think I'm just trying to think where in a conscious way that would happen there. The word of God, Jesus, like mm. opening mm. Psalm 91, sleeping with the word, like going, like, mm-hmm. and so I, 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 I consciously sense the protection of a father, like, Father, I need you to protect yeah. me. Yeah. Um, so there's a running into his arms there. So definitely, and then a Jesus, you are with me in it, mm-hmm. and Holy Spirit comforted. Right
1: me in the midst of all that, I love of that. that. I love that. Okay, I lied because I have one more get mm-hmm. to know you question. Lord help me. Um, everything about you reveals the fact that you believe in, in not only close relationships but very intentional relationships. There's always a Paul in your life, somebody who is mentoring you, who's usually older chronologically yeah. but always a little more mature in the faith. You've always got a slew of Timothys, so young women that you're mentoring. Who would be the Paul that if you could only choose one? The, the woman or man who you go, they have shepherded me. I still look up to them or remember how they've mentored me in the faith. And who, if you could choose one, Timothy, um, who would that be? Okay. Uh,
0: so Paul, still in my life, has been for 20 years, is Joyce Meyer. Um, unbelievable. And at 75, you know, we were just both with her mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. You're like... I want to be you at mm. seventy-five. So I love the fact it. That, she that I'm calls still, you oh, her spiritual oh, it's very so that um definitely and um, you know, if I had to choose one, I mean, I'm glad I don't have to choose one. but yeah. for the sake of yeah. this interview, I would say Timothy would be Sarah Jakes Roberts. Oh. yeah, oh. definitely, is who I. It's like pretty amazing family. Yeah, if I had like one, I could only pour my life into one young woman
1: on the earth right now before I died. It would be her. Thank goodness you don't have to pour your life into just one. (laughs) Totally. The name of this podcast is Out of the Ashes. So I want to talk about really God's redemption in your life. Um, I want to talk about some questions that I think will actually get us to some of the deeper places in your heart and mind. How do you keep from being mentally and spiritually drained? Because you and Nick are on the road a ton in what God has called you to. And when I first looked at your life, I thought you have the gift of more than one person, but you also have the energy of like a baseball team. I, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody who runs as fast and as well as you do. And then probably ten years ago, I was feeling whiny about my schedule, and you said, "Lisa, if God has called you to it, I'm kind of doing British. Aren't I? Yeah, I'm like not Australian." You said, "If God has called you to it, God will give you the grace for it." Um, but I've watched you now for a decade. And I rarely see you drained. So what what is kind of the secret? Um, I think, well, I certainly have my moments, so let's go
0: there. But I really do have a capacity to pull back and be with the Lord. Now, I have a very good uh, team around me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nick is, I mean, outside of the Lord, obviously, but in a, in the natural realm, in the practical realm, Nick is the biggest secret because yeah. he so runs defense on our whole life mm-hmm. and is extremely proactive in how he runs everything that it creates space for me
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, to... Because I'm, I, I have quite an introverted side as well, so I need mm-hmm. alone time, thinking time, mm-hmm. and I get, I actually get quite a lot of it. So I think what that does is helps me to go now. Again, you know, you say things to me, like I laugh about either my capacity or my, but I don't, I don't, I don't often feel like I'm even
1: firing on all four cylinders yet. So, I, well, I do. One thing I've noticed about you is I do always think you have more. Yeah, I um, mean, you will do something that I think I, I I just see you do things that few people have the capacity for energy-wise or even just your the some of the spiritual gifts God has given you. But I never feel like you are redlining it. It's like no. there's always more. You always have something more that God has downloaded to you that you can teach. You always have a little more energy to run. You, there's always a little more. I don't feel like you've ever tapped out.
0: No, and I think God has done that. And so a lot of that is keeping my heart and my spirit fresh i think if you just don't let junk get in it it, um it doesn't clutter your spirit i don't know how else to quite word it but i don't waste a whole lot of time on chaos and drama Mm -hmm. or gossip or slander or um i'm very much on mission and so i think like i'm not driven by any need to prove myself i'm drawn and compelled by the call of God.
1: I love the difference between driven and drawn. That's how I feel. So I yeah. feel like
0: while I can tell the difference in my heart, I know when I'm being drawn. Yeah. And if it clicks over to being driven, I can't sustain it. Yeah. That's the bottom line. And that is, like, I have no capacity to sustain that. Um, but when I'm drawn, I have nothing to prove. So I'm not trying. To be better than last time, or more creative than last time, I actually don't even think in those terms. Yeah, I just think um, in this moment, in this hour, what is needed, God graces me for, and so if I'm uncluttered, right, I can produce better because right. I'm not. I, I don't really have me on my mind. Right, the less. I can have me on my mind the far more effective I am to do what God's called me to do. So a lot of the places where I try to find stillness or uh, peace or keep my
1: spirit uncluttered is so that I can actually get myself off my mind. I thought it was interesting that you said that even today, when you're talking about some of the books, when you're working out, that you're always listening to a podcast or sermon or an audible book, and you said, "I don't want to be in my own mind just by myself." No, it's like I would be the biggest negative uh, thing in my head. That was the music, though you grew up with emotionally. Yeah, well, that's the whole deal. Like I
0: came from um, twelve years of abuse, you know, abandonment, rejection. But my deal is that. When Jesus started to really free me, Mm -hmm. I knew I was becoming more healed when I would have, well, first an hour, then half a day, then a day. And I'd go to bed and think, I didn't think about me. Because here's the deal with unresolved issues and your own pain and a a victim – mentality is the the subtlety of the enemy mm-hmm. is that you are always on your mind, right. the pain that happened to you, the injustice that happened to you. so right. it's so really it's like, what about me? What about me, 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 me? And while it's me, me, me me, me, I have no capacity right. to think outside to others, and yet we're created by God. and mm-hmm. and when once we come to faith in Christ and we're you know sealed until the day of redemption with his spirit, and then he's commissioned us to go into all the world. That's actually what we're wired up to do best as right. born again believers. Right. Actually, how we function best. Now, but when you replace a God given mandate, when you're doing it out of a place of brokenness, um, then you're either running away from yourself, you're not really dealing with anything yourself. Right. So your life and your heart and your driven. spirit is very cluttered yeah. because you're right. you're driven like them right. the person that can never take a holiday because they need to get the next right. deal at work or right. they don't come home and don't tuck the kids into bed because they've got to clinch another deal because they're trying to prove something to a father who's no longer alive. So the the drivenness can come in many different ways. Um, But once you're no longer driven, you're very relaxed. So I actually really work. My greatest labor is I labor to enter into that place of rest. Then from Mm. that place of rest, I find it very easy to labor.
1: Well, I also think we tend to in our culture to always equate rest with physical stillness. Yes. And rest, biblical rest, is more about more about peace with God. Well, that's, yeah, it's that place in God. And I think we've
0: created something in our culture, which is, in our Christian culture, which is unhealthy, which we've almost equated rest to, like I've got to go away on an island for a month or I've got to have a sabbatical for three months. And I'm like, you know what, if this doesn't work for the single mother with two jobs trying to put her kid through school, uh, then who do I think I am? So if I'm expecting her to find a place of rest somewhere, I've got to find that place of rest as well. I think sometimes we excuse things, Which actually come out of extreme privilege uh, to be able to go. Okay, I can have all of this time off. My mother worked in a factory, uh, in a factory, both and in a hospital in Australia, emptying bedpans. She didn't have the luxury to say, "I'm going to take three months off because I need a sabbatical with Jesus." Right. Um. And so it was like, okay. And I think the Lord allowed me to grow up in that kind of immigrant home, seeing Mm -hmm. that, uh, so that I would never think otherwise. It's like this has got to work, and I've got to, uh, you know, people have got to process it. So do I. Right. So how do I flourish? And, okay, I've been called to do certain things. God right. has graced me for it. But I've got to make it work like everybody. Mm-hmm. So somewhere, however it works for you, you've got to find that place of rest in Christ. Right. This Your joy has to come from Christ. Right. Your strength must be found in Christ. Right. And I think then you actually do have everything you need. Because if, if he is everything and he's got mm-hmm. everything, then in him is everything I need to do right. what I do. So if right. I look to people, you know, I couldn't read enough books in the self-help section um, of any bookstore to help me to live the life that I live because it's a supernatural life. Absolutely. I actually couldn't Absolutely. fit it in a normal box. I was so going to say, the working
1: it. hard is figuring out his sufficiency. That's the deal. Because he is sufficient. It's that we are always trying to fill ourselves with part Jesus and something else. Always. And it's like, now, as soon as you actually find your definition – your peace, your identity in Christ, there is sufficiency there. There is, and if we learn to find that, then I wouldn't be...
0: I can glean off different people, you know, um, but my life's not like anybody else's. So I think a lot of the comparison Mm -hmm. and the competition that we're finding and the angst that people are living in and the anxiety and the stress because we don't feel like we're keeping up with anyone, that's because... It's not anyone's fault, ultimately, it's not even social media's fault. It's right. there's something broken in you right. that you're trying to get right. your approval and your significance and your security right. from either what tribe you belong to, who right. includes you. Right. Um,
1: well, with- now find the line moves. Yeah, always. You know, when I brought Missy home from Haiti, the place I didn't fit is the place I've always fit, which is with pretty conservative, Bible believing. You know, southern people. And all of a sudden, I'm a single mom who works with a child from Haiti who has HIV. And all of a sudden, I thought, I am the opposite of conventional. And the places where I've always felt like I had a seat at the table, all of a sudden, I felt like the chairs had moved. Yeah. And you go, boy, my identity better not be from where I feel comfortable. It is in the presence of Christ. Always. And I think whenever the further he calls you out
0: into the deep. Right. um, We sometimes have created that to think, you know, go and see. I think we've confused Zen Buddhism with Christianity sometimes because it's kind of like, you know, let's all go and just be in this mystical yin yang just peaceful you know <laughs> and i'm like no the further he calls you out to the deep is actually the further to himself he calls you and to others it's never right. you know this right. side of eternity while we've got to fulfill the great commission he, he never separated in the great commandment everything love god right your heart mind and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself the second That's is right. just like the first jesus said they're, they're, they're not separated so we're called to people right. as we're called to him and the right. closer we are to him the more effective we are with people so in him is all the strength that we need to become mm-hmm. who we need to become, which is like mm-hmm. him, to do what we need to do, which is to be about the father's business. Right. I don't think I think a lot of people are running out of energy because they're not about the father's business. They're about right. their own business right. or about everybody else's business. But if we, right. Jesus said, listen, I, I, I've got food, you don't, you don't even know right. what sustains me. Right. And my food is to do the will of him who sent right. me. Now, the truth is, I feel exactly the same way. And I've been saying that for a good 20 right. years, right. is that if I looked at what was normal or accepted? Right. My food has always been to do the will of God. The right. grace for me to
2: do has been uh, to do what I do is with Jesus. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify?
1: Okay, stay there for just a second. You said a couple of things that are just hooks for me. One of them is you passed over being an an immigrant. You mentioned privilege. Because most people see you and they go, Good night. She's got this global platform. Um, They'll list all the things you have, and then they'll say, That is privilege. You actually are the antithesis of privilege. Some people know you were unnamed and unwanted when you were were born to Mm. a mother who gave you up. You were in a hospital, weren't named some people know that part of your story i think a lot of people don't recognize you were about as marginalized as is possible in australia talk about being um an immigrant who now people see privilege but no one saw you as privileged when you were a young woman no not at all but my parents
0: came um, from alexandria egypt to australia when king Farouk got overthrown um in egypt and all the Christians and Greek Orthodox uh, were expelled from the country, and their parents had been expelled from Izmir during the genocide. And when yeah, in Turkey, when the Ottoman Empire um, again kicked out all of the Orthodox Christians, right. and so that happened in 1922. My parents in the 50s, 1950s, uh, and then they came to Australia. And outside of Athens, Greece, the largest Greek population is in Melbourne, Australia. And so there was large um, migration of Italians and Greeks into Australia.
1: Right.
0: And so, but this was pre-multiculturalism and Australia was extremely racist and extremely, right. and so we were, um, the, I cannot remember a day where I wasn't a very, there's very derogatory terms um, in Australia for immigrant kids like us and all uh, well, the kids of immigrants. And so, you know, I'd come home to my house and graffitied over my house frequently, go back to your own effing country. Right. And um, our house frequently broken into, we had to have bars on our windows and do right. that, lived in a very low socioeconomic uh Area And, um, you know, it's like go back to your own effing country, which, well, like I was born there, so I'm not right. quite sure where to go back, And right. uh, which has been the story of my life. Never Greek enough for the Greeks because right. I was born in Australia. Never Australian enough for the Australians because right. I was Greek uh, and didn't speak English until I went to school. But that whole sense of you don't quite fit in, you know, right. you look different, you smell different, you eat different foods, you s- right. you have a different accent, probably why I went and got an English degree. Um, to, you <laughs> know, sort of like uh, just to never be ridiculed for yeah. my accent
1: or... Um, So you could, in light of all that, and this is one of the things about you that I find so miraculous, if anybody had an excuse for looking back and going, that wasn't fair, or kind of hanging on to that victim mentality, it would be you. What is the difference between a victim mentality, because I've never seen one iota of it in you, and a redemptive perspective because you are always talking about when what Jesus has done for you becomes more significant than what was done to you yeah. even if it was wounding or devastating there's always this forward focus in your mind in your at least in your life and your in what you what you say how you live But you remind me of the guy, you know, when the 10 lepers were healed by Jesus and only one went back and said, thank you, because he couldn't forget what Jesus had saved him from. He was both a leper and a Samaritan. So he kind of had that double whammy of being marginalized. That's who you remind me of, is you never forget that the reason you're no longer a victim is Jesus. Well, totally. And yet you're very aware of... It's only because of Jesus I'm not still in that place. A- a- help me, help those of us who are listening, what's the difference? What's the key to being victim-minded and recognizing you were a victim but he's rescued you? Well, absolutely, and I remember very early on in my Christian faith saying to Jesus, if this
0: doesn't work, because I remember going to a women's meeting and there were these women just weeping and sobbing yeah, and they, yeah. they're like talking about having walked with Jesus for 30 and 40 years. <laughs> But you would never have thought they yeah, were still saved in the or delivered. Yeah. or I yeah. mean, they were just still going on. And I remember going home from that women's meeting, and I hadn't really been out much, not in Protestant faith at all. Yeah. Um, and I said to Jesus, either you work or you don't. I remember yeah. just having that you know, in my very early, this kind of language. You know, I'd, I'd yeah. use a lot more uh, sound theological terms now. But back then it was like, you either work or you don't. Mm-hmm. If this thing's not a real, out loud, I remember saying to him, I may as well become a Buddhist if this is yeah. not real. Yeah. Because what what, what on earth def- separates Christianity from anything else? If you went to the cross for no reason, yeah. if there is no such thing as healing, like you know, emotional right. healing, and right. um, and I remember reading Psalm one hundred and three. You know, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of all of His benefits. Who forgives each and every one of all of our diseases? Who heals mm-hmm. each and every one, mm-hmm. all of our infirmities, in, internally, externally, you mm-hmm. know? And so I thought surely if there is no life beyond your past, why don't you we get saved and just die on the altar call and go to heaven? Because, I mean, that would be better. Because then right. so Why would I need to live any yeah. kind of misery here? I can't quite work it out. Like, why don't I just yeah. go, yes, Jesus, and let's get rid of her right now so that she doesn't backslide and she can go straight to heaven right. and have healing there. Surely if Jesus saves me here and then says, hey, Chris, this is how I want you to pray. Let yeah. your will be done here on earth. Right. as As it is in heaven, mm. not just in heaven when you die fire insurance, but here on earth as it is in heaven, maybe there's something that I can tap onto here on earth. Surely, of course, we live in a fallen world and there's brokenness and there's sin and iniquity and evil and pain and suffering, and it's only in heaven that there'll be no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering. But (laughs) but, um, that doesn't mean that I'm living in this vacuum until I die and go to heaven. So I remember thinking, okay, then, if... Jesus and I can do this together. If I'm to work out my salvation with fear and trembling and I'm, this is a day-by-day day thing, while I'm here on earth, at least every day I'll put one foot in front of the other. I can be a little bit more healed than I was mm-hmm. the day before. Mm-hmm. And if I commit to this process because Jesus has done it for me, now I have to partner with him to work that healing out. It's right. like when I had my surgery for my acl and i had a hamstring graft and i remember the doctor coming in to me saying christine most people don't recover from an injury like yours i had snapped my acl tore my mcl right. tore my meniscus fractured showing my off knee. To skiing. it's showing yeah. off Pratt and I, before tumble, always veil mountain but he said to me i had done such damage to my knee he said yeah. most people don't don't recover from this injury not because they can't he said in fact now that i've done the hamstring graft your right knee is actually stronger than your left knee. Right. But here's the deal, Christine. When you had the accident, it happened in an instant.
1: Right. And
0: so in one second, the accident happened. You went through excruciating pain, but it happened in an instant. Right. He said, but here's the deal. For you to get back full recovery and to be able to run right. again, it's going to take well over a year of several times a week of right. deeply painful you know, PT. So he said, um, because the pain of recovery is going to far outweigh the pain of the injury. You have to make a decision ahead of time that you're going to see it through to the end. So he said, Christine, you can recover completely or partially quickly or slowly. It's entirely up to you. Right. The degree to which you are willing to embrace the pain of recovery is the degree to which you will recover. Right. And I feel like with what Jesus has done for us at the cro- uh, at Calvary, right. so he did it. It is finished. It's done. But the degree to which I want to walk in the fullness of that healing from my past yeah. on this yeah. side of eternity is the degree to which I'm willing to embrace the right. pain of recovery. Right. So when I came to Christ, so, I, you know, when we get born again, so we know, we all understand that we're tripartite beings, body, soul, and spirit. Mm-hmm. So we have no problem believing that if I came To Christ, and let's just assume I came forward on an altar call because I was right. going to receive, you know, Billy Graham's giving the altar call. Right. I'm going forward um, to receive Jesus. Well, if I was going forward to receive Jesus and I had cellulite on my thigh, Lisa, before <laughs> I went forward, I could pray. Why are you telling my story? Why I are you telling my story? The sinner's prayer. And <laughs> right. if Billy Graham was still on earth, I could have prayed that sinner's prayer with right. Billy himself. Right. And I could have been saved. Out of darkness into light. We know my spirit is born again. Right. But when I turn back around to go back to my seat after praying that prayer, uh, if I had cellulite on my thigh before I said amen, that cellulite was coming back to that seat with me after the amen, most powerful prayer you'll ever pray. Right. And pretty much until I stop eating the Krispy Kreme donuts and get on the treadmill – Pretty much, that cellulite's going to come right. into this, That's you know, right. into the casket with me. So the point is, we don't expect that my body's going to be born again just right. because my spirit's born again. Right. So if I come to Christ with a wounded soul, which mine was, extremely yeah. damaged, yeah. what makes me think once I give us, I, I, I pray to Jesus, exactly. a prayer of salvation. Yeah. I think we haven't uh, actually demarcated that. If my soul's wounded, the same as if right. my body was broken. Right. If I had a broken leg before I said amen, right. I'm likely to have one straight right. after. Well, if my soul was wounded and extremely damaged, twelve years of abuse will do that. Being right. abandoned in a hospital is going to do that. Right. Being rejected is going to do that. Yeah. Being growing up ridiculed for being an immigrant is going to do that. Marginalised because of my gender, all of that who
1: should have been safe.
0: All of that, that should so protect that me. So my soul was so. Yeah. Now, I was going to heaven as yeah. soon as, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ right. is Lord, you will be saved. I was going to heaven. But like most people, you know, I, I would go to church. I sort of lived. For my visitation with yeah. Jesus on Sunday, right. now as if I was in prison, because it's in prison that you have visitation rights. Mm-hmm. Someone can visit you. So we were. I'm treating Jesus like I'm. I'm in prison right. and I've got visitation rights, right. and he can come, or I'm going to come and see him on a Sunday. And Jesus is. I like how Eugene Peterson says it in the message. Uh, I think John one fourteen. He says the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Right. Jesus goes. I don't particularly. Well, he will, be gracious enough. But I don't really want to visit just on a Sunday or a Wednesday night. Right. I want to actually move into the right. neighborhood of your life Monday through Saturday. Well, a lot of us, we're fine with visitation rights with Jesus. Right. But the moving in, moving into the dark places where many of us have right. double deadlock padlocks, made vows. Right. No one's coming in there. I That's will right. never trust like that. Because I don't want to be hurting. Never. That's the yeah. whole reason. So, so then we wonder, we go to church and, you know, we're like so committed jesus I've, I've listened to the pastor preach the word and i i want to do it and normally maybe you could do it on monday you yeah. know on a good week tuesday yeah, you might yeah. still be doing okay but by wednesday you're evil twin oh that's right and you've defaulted back and by friday you hate yourself Right. Because you're like, and then by Saturday night you go out because you go, I give up anyway. I'm just right. such a loser.
1: Yeah.
0: And then we start the cycle again on Sunday. And right. it's because we haven't learned to what I call embrace the pain of recovery, which goes, okay, Jesus, you right. gonna have to move into the neighborhood of right. those dark places, those broken places, those right. wounded places, which he wants to do. Right. And we're going to go through a process that is going to be, Painful because right. victimhood, or especially once you're uh, comfortable with it, you wear the cloak of victimhood, you're very familiar with it. The Bible oh, is full yeah. of people. Uh, oh, you yeah. know, where you're so identified we with your issue. Well. well, you don't because you're yeah. so, you, you, you no longer remember your name. Right. You just know your issue. Right. Uh, I'm just the abused chick or right. the the... the victim of divorced parents or your identity is, the Bible is full of people. We don't know their name, but we know their issues. There's the woman with the issue of blood. We don't know her name, but we know her issue. And we could go right through the gospels and, you know, the demoniac, what's his name? We don't know, but we know his issue or the blind man or the mute man. And so I think Jesus says, I've named you Mm -hmm. and I Mm -hmm. want to rename you and remind you of your name. To do that, we need to identify your issue so that you no longer get your value, your significance, your security, right. your identity from your issue, and you get it from who you are in Christ. That's painful. It's so to painful. To take off yeah. that cloak of victimhood yeah. that you're so familiar with. And then that's why I think Jesus went yeah. to the man at the pool of Bethesda. He says, do you want to be healed? Right. Now, he'd be kicked off the pastoral staff of any church. Right. Anyway, because imagine, he'd been there for
1: 38 years. Thirty-eight would have like, said, that was so insensitive. So
0: insensitive. Jesus, why didn't right. you get on the mat with him and go... I know why you're on the mat. I I feel for you on the mat. I know the systemic injustice that puts you on that mat. It's just not fair what happened to you. Okay. He could have done that. Yeah. But he said no. But here's the deal because he gets to the heart of it because the guy, if I'd been on a mat for 38 years, Jesus is standing in front of me and the guy doesn't say yes, which is what most of us, we don't say yes to Jesus. We go, I've got no one else to put me in the pool. Right. Everyone else gets in before me. Right. What about everything that's... And, and Jesus is like, I'm standing here. I am healing. I am, I am him. I am. And you're blaming the system and you're mm-hmm. blaming what they did to And I'm standing here the only... And right. I think many of us miss mm-hmm. what Jesus has done for us right. and that, the fact that he's standing with us right. to walk through anything right. with us.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on the Life with Lisa Harper podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, and I sure hope you did, I would really appreciate it if you subscribed and gave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. The introduction music was provided by my almost little brother, Tim Halperin, who also co-produces this podcast with me. Life with Lisa Harper will be releasing episodes on the second and fourth Thursdays of every month. We sure hope you'll keep listening.